0: Darling, we've had one hell of a time, but the question on everybody's mind, where is the... (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed. That's the whole intro today, guys. That's all I'm giving us. It's episode Mm -hmm. 6211. If Mm -hmm. you don't know that I'm Matthew Rosenberg, that he's Ethan Parker, that he's Griffin Sheridan, you're coming Mm -hmm. in late. Go back to episode one. We explain everything. It's a building narrative. You, you shouldn't haven't said what in... the show's yeah, 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 about. Yeah, you are supposed quotes. to listen to it in chronological You're order, supposed to listen to it in order. It's a st- We're building a story, um, <laughs> and it's a very confusing story. So far, no one has quite figured out what the plot is. <clears throat> uh, this it... episode is set in between the two Frank Barberi episodes. <laughs> this episode's... <laughs> yeah, this is a flashback episode, um, and who better... To navigate our flashback episode, our first <laughs> flashback. <laughs> then, uh, comics writer extraordinaire Vita Vida! Vita,
1: hello. How's it going, y'all?
0: Super good, I think. Super good.
1: You mm-hmm. stuck the landing on that. I, on that you intro. know, really
0: an opening. Uh, it was brilliant. A-
1: yeah, it's really good. Very difficult not to shout Mambo number 5 uh, during your <laughs> intro there. So.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I that's Ladies the energy <laughs> for fuck. I, what's his name? What's Mambo number 5 Lubega. 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 I go I I've been told before that I bring a Lubega energy <laughs> to yeah. everything I do. Vita. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Uh, this is an honor and a pleasure. You are a person whose work I admire greatly, uh, but also a, a dear, dear friend of mine going back to a time before either of us was comic book writers, when we were little little baby nerds who just talked about comic books a lot.
1: That's right. <laughs> we, we would hawk them. Hawk we would hawk bears. them. We
0: were selling them to the masses. We were pushing our own agendas and interests on an unwitting public (laughs) (laughs) and uh sometimes it went well sometimes it did not I only Mm -hmm. got yelled at for making people buy comics they didn't want a few times it wasn't Mm bad um name one uh the store we worked at was open very late and is in a tourist area and sometimes drunk people would come in Mm -hmm. and I definitely sold a uh very very drunk like, bro, dude, a 250 dollar Conan the barbarian artist <laughs> edition. Uh, fully aware that he was not going to remember buying it and respect the respect. I thought I was gambling on the fact that he wouldn't remember? keep keep the receipt, yeah, okay. that he would he would have trouble figuring out how he got it. Uh, <laughs> he did not have trouble figuring out how he okay. got it, and he came back very mad. <laughs> not a big conan guy i guess not i guess okay. maybe maybe he already had it it wasn't clear uh he wanted to return it that wasn't really in the store policy it was a whole complicated <laughs> thing uh i was told like you can't sell things to drunk people and i was like am i supposed to give them a fucking breathalyzer test this guy was did not need the breathalyzer test he was he was very drunk Um, This is like a Nathan for You skit, like how to sell uh, comic books. I mean, sell them to drunk people. It was sell really expensive
1: comic books, really expensive comics to
0: drunk people. I mean, I I think he said, you know, what's the coolest thing in here? And I was like, that $250 artist edition. And I was like, but I think there may or may not have been some negging. I may or may not have told him, like, this might be too cool for you. And uh, he walked out with it. And then it came back. (laughs) And then a day later, it came back to the store. Uh, We could talk about the. Chaos of selling comics for a long time. We don't need to. I don't think we need to get into that. I kind of want to hear more about it, but maybe later in the show. Maybe later. Get to other stuff. Maybe when we have a different flashback episode, we'll flashback even further. Um,
1: I'll have the mustache this time, and you'll be basically clean.
0: Oh, love it! I love it. What a switch! Um, (laughs) (laughs) Classic twist. (laughs) Keep the audience on their toes, especially Uh because it's mostly most. And by most, I mean almost entirely, an audio show. So the mustache is going to be very subtle. <laughs> um, we always start with the same question to start with, uh, which is uh, a simple get to know you question, the simplest get to know you question, which is why comics? What is it about comics that you love? Why did you? Why do they call to you? Why do you make them? Just why?
1: So simple, tiny, miniscule <laughs> Um, I mean, comics to me, when I was little, um, it was like one of the first pieces of like, one of the first books that I could read, even though I couldn't really read, was a comic book. My parents got me this like Fisher Price Marvel like team up thing that was like a graphic novel, Arabian Nights, and it came with a little cassette tape and that would read everything on the page and then make the noise and you turn the page. And I, I still have it. I read that until it was falling apart. Right. Like I, it was super accessible. Um, and I didn't learn how to read until I was about 10 years old, like actually read for myself. So it was just something that I could always engage with. Um, and my dad would buy me like random comics. And again, like I just make up the stories about what was going on based on the art. Um, and it was just something that, you know, engaged the part of my brain that was already telling myself stories. Um, and then as I got older, it's just comics are cool, man. Like I am I allowed to carry cars. Yeah.
0: Um
1: yeah, no, I just I think comics are really fucking cool. I think that like there's something magical about the alchemy of a medium that is not solely text or solely visual. There it really is more than the sum of its parts. It's doing something that you can't do in either separate kind of medium. Um And I think that comics, like, this was something I I was interested in in early childhood education. I thought I would be a teacher for a while. Um, And comic books is a great way to get kids interested in reading. I love reading. I have a full bookshelf behind me. It's just a fraction of my collection of books. Um, And so anything that gets kind of kids to read, especially kids like me, um, is just, it's a good thing. Um, It's also like a way to I feel like you can be subversive in comics in a way that you can't be necessarily in mediums that either cost more money or have more barriers to entry. I think it's accessible for creators as well in a way that like pure prose or movies or other stuff like that. Isn't.
0: And yeah. So- that's, that's actually something I, I, it's funny you say that. Cause I think about that a lot. And actually um, we had porn stack on, on the show and we sort of talked about that a little bit. I, and there's something, I, I always, I don't know how exactly to describe it, but I always say comics has a sort of urgency to it. Mm-hmm. Like the, just the speed. The only thing I think is comparable is like, if you're a rapper, you can put out, <laughs> you put out a, like something happens to you. Yeah, and you're your like, mixtape on the street. <laughs> yeah, your mixtape's on the street the next day. And you're like, yeah, I'm talking about the thing this dude said last night. Uh, <laughs> comics isn't that fast, but like nothing else. Um, I guess like op-ed journalism, but like. Uh,
1: yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: but comics has this ability to be very in the moment very in a conversation with the audience that is a current conversation that is is an ever-evolving conversation and I think that's so exciting and I think it's so underused in comics and and it's it's interesting to me when you say like it can be more subversive I think that's the other side of the coin to that right that like we're sort of the medium that people aren't Paying attention to in some ways, so we can get away with stuff.
1: Right. I mean, less now than it used to be, but even then, sure. like, even now, comparatively, that's true. And I think too that, like, it's because th- there is that immediacy um to the format, it's something that you can do at any age. Yes, mm-hmm. you get better as you keep going, right? Like, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but the comics that yeah, I made really when I big. was six are not necessarily up to par with the comics i'm making now although some people would argue <laughs> that's not true uh, but like you know the idea of like you could get a group of kids at any age together and go we're gonna make a comic book today and it could be about whatever you want and they can just make comics they could just make them yeah like I know. that's so fucking cool
0: <laughs> um when i was six i made a comic i might have been like eight where i combined where basically um wolverine logan Got bit by a radioactive spider, started a tech company where he built an Iron Man suit, and then was hired by the government to be the symbol of freedom. So he was an Iron Man, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Captain America, he had a shield and claws and spider powers. And now in hindsight, I realized that Iron Man can do all of those things that the other guys (laughs) do. So it didn't really, it wasn't additive but <laughs> i will say in my comic uh he kicked the shit out of the ninja turtles and that was wow. pretty that yeah, was pretty no, exciting that's actually. pretty cool that's a lot yeah yeah because he mm-hmm. had four people's powers and each one of them, there was has... four of them yeah so they're evenly matched and he is better
1: there you go yeah he can't die well so he's we
0: invincible it. yeah yeah he's sure. he's immortal uh he's patriotic he's funny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got a He's drinking... everything I wish I was. He's got a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't need to be immortal, but I would love to be patriotic and funny. Um, and have a cool suit of armor. And have a cool suit yeah. of armor and, you know, an on again off again drinking problem and yeah. Um <laughs> I don't want some of those things. I the armor's cool. <laughs> armor would be cool. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's such an interesting you know, there's such a there's such a low barrier to entry. I always find it funny in comics, like people do the, you know, and I think some of it is just the the, the brevity and the impreciseness of social media. But people ask creators like, "How do you get into comics?" And comic creators are always like, "Just make comics," and like it feels like a kiss off answer. And like,
1: it's not it, though. I mean, it, we could talk about it for three hours and what that looks like but also it's different for everyone so it really is hard to be like here's your schematic for how to do this
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and I also think like the question has an implicit thing that isn't stated which is like how do I make a comic that looks like a Marvel comic or a DC comic or an image comic and what people are actually saying is like you don't need to like you shouldn't that's not your that shouldn't be your aspiration when you start and you don't need to do that you need to make a comic that hones your craft and your skill and is something you're excited about and love. It doesn't need to, you know, compete on a shelf with things that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce. But yeah, I think, I think there's a really, uh, an interesting, I mean, I'm going to sort of jump around. I have a bunch of questions for you, but uh, there's an interesting thing you said where you are like, comics offers this thing, but you also write prose. I do. Um, what 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 is the prose get you that comics doesn't?
1: So one of the things I do love about comics is that it is a group project, and I legitimately enjoy working towards a goal with other people. Um, but the thing that prose gets me is being able to kind of just do what is in my mind in the moment, um, and just kind of be a little bit more raw that way. I think that one of the things that As a writer specifically, Um, I think it's probably different for visual artists, right? But like as a writer, when I write comic books, I'm not writing for the reader. I'm writing for, I mean, first for the editor, but like for my collaborator, right? Who will interpret the absolutely batch it stuff that is on the page and make it into something that other people will see right i don't even put the <laughs> often asked if i do this but i don't i don't put the like the words on the page that you will see either right like i'm not the letterer i don't uh-huh. have sure you know i don't i don't have any tangible things in the final product that you see as just what's in front of you mm-hmm. but with prose you do it's just it's just you <laughs> it's you and your editor and everyone's yeah. involved but like that there is i don't believe in things like my vision or anything like like Mm -hmm. that but it's there's something really raw about that where it's just like i am very vulnerable um, when i present this prose because this is me speaking to whoever is reading it Mm -hmm. um which i think is beautiful i think it's different in comics for visual artists for cartoonists who are doing both that kind of stuff because they are putting themselves directly into the line of vision um and they are more vulnerable in that way so you know um but just from my perspective as someone who uh cannot draw when i do i accidentally summon demons um so so thanks
0: yeah Uh, accidental in quotes but sure um (laughs) the this is a question that is is more just because i think um I know you so well and I think our, our brains work in similar ways in some places but very different ways in some places. I I think about prose a lot. I don't have a great love for a great desire to write prose rather. I, it's not something that calls to me particularly and part of that is that I like the confines of a comic. I like mm-hmm. the boundaries. I like being like I have a page limit. I have this much I can do. I have all these things that are like and I know other writers, I know writers who come to comics from screenwriting or, or prose often say like, it's really constricting. It, it becomes really difficult, like trying to do a cliffhanger every 20 pages or trying to put in, put in action every every 20 pages or, you know, even for not issue comics, like even for doing an OGN, like right. <clears throat> there are just sort of rules of, of and obviously, yeah, pacing and, and yeah. structure that... that I think people find really limiting i i'm just wondering for you like going bouncing back and forth between doing pro stuff and and comic stuff like do you find when you do one for a long time that the other is uh, difficult because i find pros too expansive i find that it's just like an yeah. open world and i'm like uh if i if if i don't have better instincts if i don't I have to constantly reel myself in because a short story would come out 400 pages and I would just write it forever.
1: Well, that's, that's... I mean, that's a fair, so I I think, yes, first of all, to answer your question succinctly, yes, Uh, when I'm doing one for a while, the other one is, it's like, suddenly becomes another language and I have to remember how to do it again. Um, But I find Mm -hmm. that fun. I find it, you know, invigorating to be like, all right, now I get to figure this out again. I don't know, maybe it's the ADHD. Maybe sure. that's is like a challenge, um, an activity. <laughs> uh, but I think that like, for me, what appeals about writing comics uh, besides the collaboration part is, is very similar, right? Like it's a puzzle that you have to solve. You have this many pages to all of this shit. How are you going to make it fit and also make it flow and make it interesting to read and not just like a cluttered mess, right? Yeah. Um, I, I love solving that puzzle. Um, for me, prose, I can see why someone who doesn't, have necessarily um an interest a burning desire rather to to do it would see it that way because that makes sense um but for me I actually find a lot of ways I guess to self constrain in prose where it's just mm-hmm. like for short so I've written uh, a couple of short stories um uh that have been published and it's like okay you do have a you have a word count <laughs> yeah. you cannot be 400 pages right you have 2000 words 8000 words whatever all right um here are the you know these are the things that the story must include, right? It's usually I'm writing short stories for an anthology, right? So like, this is the theme, this is, you know, the character work. And I kind of break down the character stuff in a similar way that I would do for comics. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I find ways to kind of make it so I'm not just staring into the, you know, white <laughs> expanse of the page, like, oh my God, please. Yeah. Um, but definitely like, you know, when you just sit down you raw dog a page and you're like what am i gonna fucking do yeah um you know what ideas do i have i find that it is easier to work on a comic in that state <laughs> than prose because they can feel really overwhelming uh,
0: i i think a lot about um the uh, my my dad was a a writer and he, he wrote in all different mediums but he he wrote a lot of novels he wrote uh, 10 or 9 or 10 novels um that's awesome And he was talking to me and my brother once. And my my brother's a screenwriter and, you know, he's written TV and film stuff. And my dad was talking about finding the novel and like what it takes for him to find the novel. And he said, you know, I just come up with this sort of idea and I'll do 100, 200 pages with the characters and see where it goes and see who I like and who's interesting and, and what I'm connected to. And then that's sort of my starting point that's my springboard. And from there, he's like, you know, sometimes all that gets thrown out. And it's just like, well, I like this character, but this isn't the story. But I, I like this character and I understand them better. And I remember just the look of shock on my brother's face and him looking back at me and recognizing the same shock of just like, you're going to write. And obviously, like, that's not how everyone, all prose writers work. <laughs> but just the idea of just like, you're going to spend all this expanse and time and energy to find this world and it's so
1: wait but we do that too um so like i've co-written things with you and sure you know we spend how long developing this stuff before we sit down and type it up right Like, for for sure that that counts i think that I asked yeah. you what your dad was talking about. He just does it on the page. Which he does is it on the page, wild. which is
0: which is a wild <laughs> way to explore. And I, I, uh, but it's so romantic to me, but yeah. also so intimidating that I, I don't know.
1: I do not work that way. Even when I'm writing longer prose stuff, I have notebooks that I fill with you know snippets of ideas, things about the characters. Sure. I mostly work from character, um, but I'll also plot some stuff out like. But I, I, I'm not sitting there writing two hundred pages. No, I, know, I don't. What I,
0: I didn't take it as no. I, I know there are other writers who do do that, and I, I understand that. That my dad didn't invent that idea, but just the, I, I think that it spoke to me about a mindset that was different, a, a For mindset sure. of a prose writer that was very different. Of like, and
1: especially a novelist, right? Like novels yeah. are very different from like short stories or even novellas. Like that is my wife writes novels, and I primarily write short stories mm-hmm. and prose, and like. Yeah. We, we can talk about story and prose and stuff but like when we talk it's that's a marathon i'm like that's a lot. yeah, lot i'm gonna i'm gonna run the hurdles and then be done like i don't know yeah.
0: yeah i'm I'm having a i'm having a drink on the bleachers while you're yeah, still yeah, going he, for another hour keep going baby you're a mile
1: 22 <laughs>
0: um when did you think i want to make comics when was that a thing for you because i feel like obviously you've loved comics your whole life but i don't I don't know if that was always a conversation for you, always an idea for you.
1: It wasn't. I didn't even know. I was a a strangely not naive and also naive kid, but I didn't even know writing comics was a job you could have until I was 19. And I first started working at Forbidden Planet because um, I read a lot of manga at the time. um, And so I was like, the person does both. You have to be able to draw to do comics. It didn't occur to me to look at the credits page of a regular like western single issue Mm -hmm. um but then i working in a comic shop you're exposed to so much and you can read a lot more than what you could afford when you are not working yeah um and so i was like oh snap this is a thing people can do (laughs) um and i toyed with it a little bit but like just it was so daunting the idea of like finding someone you could work with of of writing scripts all this stuff and i honestly didn't even i didn't have the internal kind of thrust for that until you were like, oh when are you pitching? <laughs> when we work together. Uh so you are my comic origin story. And I tell people this all the time because my plan was uh you know I you you remember I'd go to work and I'd write in my notebook like yeah. an hour before my whatever and then you know go do my job. I was like oh one day I'm just gonna drop my notebook and an agent's gonna find it and read it and it's just <laughs> gonna be like magic like get a book deal. Um, i mean a
0: good plan good plan let's not shit on that that's a good yeah Mm -hmm.
1: wonderful plan clearly that's not the case um but it didn't really occur to me that someone like me could write comics um, Mm -hmm. up until you were like yes (laughs) like duh because all the comics that i was reading for the most part the stuff that was on the shelves was not by people like me Mm -hmm. um And like, yes, I was a grown up like it's not like I was like people can't fight for what they want, but it just didn't occur to me that it was worth the time sure Um, that there were, you know, there were ways to enter, Um, you know, I I didn't even know where to start. But when you put that idea in my head, I was like, maybe I can do this, I really do love comics, and I really do find them interesting. And, you know, I think that I have something to say. Mm -hmm. So Thanks.
0: Uh, yeah I wasn't I wasn't fishing for that but I I was I I was
1: curious
0: (laughs) I mean it's funny because I had this I have a similar experience of like I grew up reading comics and love comics my whole life and it never dawned on me that I mean like if you asked me like yeah there's people who write them and and like I could tell you the names of the ones I like but it never dawned on me that they weren't like formed from you know from something out of the ether yeah
1: yeah that they came out
0: like like nothing could convince me that Chris Claremont wasn't built in the Marvel office and like (laughs) assembled to do that job uh like you know I don't I don't know anyone who knew a comic book writer I didn't know anyone who did that I'd never met anyone
1: surprising to me um because your father was a writer and worked on so much mm. stuff like the same thing like when I was a kid I wanted to write tv like that was all I wanted to do but I was like there's literally no way for me to even know how to do that now I understand yeah. the process but like it just didn't occur that that was a thing you could do I again I was like oh the actors get together and like I know it says there's a writer but like that's not true <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> like well there's Shakespeare and then, yeah I don't was, know Navard, I
1: don't... but other. Than um... that. I, I
0: I do look back on it and feel like incredibly naive that it, this is something I love my whole life. And I mean, I think we've talked about this in the past that like working <laughs> in a comic shop with you and like, you know, a bunch of other creators, people who went on to be creators, Danny and, and Tyler and uh, Matthew Klein and, and a bunch of other people who went on to work in, in the industry. Like it, it was very jarring for me because I spent my entire life reading comics as a very, solo experience. Yep. We're like, go to the store, don't talk to anyone, pick up your books, go home and read them. <laughs> and so to be around other people who were like, oh, this is a thing I love too. Like, this is a thing I want to do. And And it was so informative for me in just like understanding what I needed to do. I mean, obviously there were a lot of people who there, who worked with us who were smart and great and really passionate about comics and wanted to make comics, but you could see where they weren't doing that. And that was very like I was taking notes on like, well what are people doing wrong here and not not to say like
1: well what is that what are the things that I see are in, keeping people from yes. doing what they want to do? Yeah,
0: what's getting in the way of this what is what is this And a lot of times it was things like needing to eat and sleep and I sure. was like I, I can forego those things um, but the uh, <laughs> but also I think a lot of it was learning about more about like, what I wanted to be as a creator and the way people interacted with work. I mean, there was a person who worked with us um, was really nice guy, really liked. Um, he was always interested in, like, who would win fights between characters. <laughs> um, I think you probably know who I'm talking about. And Sure do. Uh, and uh, it was so alien to me, and I was like, oh, this Whoever's is Whoever's not... name
1: is on the book, that's who's going to win. Yeah,
0: that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, which, which which character's writer's writing the book? But that was a big thing for me. And then watching how the audience interacted with books was a yes. huge thing for me. And I'm sort of, what was the stuff that working in a shop, how do you feel like that influenced your work? How do you feel like that affected who you are as a creator?
1: I think it, it really affected me on the, on the business side, right? Thinking mm-hmm. about, okay, these kinds of, like, I mean, doing changeover was wildly informative. What grabs the eye when it goes onto the shelf? What are people gravitating towards? what even what letters do people like kind of hang out in because of the other books that are in that area, right? Like that kind of stuff? what gets what kinds of things in an issue get people to stand around and talk about them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily like the the like, you know, internal you know, spiritual motivation, but I, that really, for me, was the most informative stuff i think my experience with reading comics when i was younger was really different from yours in that like you know i had a group of friends and it's like i can afford to buy two comics you can afford to buy two like and so we would just like buy what we could and then pass them around Um, (laughs) we wouldn't always talk about them necessarily but that was even silently reading with each other was this like really communal experience Mm. Um, and so working in a comic shop felt like an extension of that where i was just like oh i get to do this On this larger scale um but yeah i I think that like that's something that i always think creators if they can they should do like go work at a comic shop for like two months it's going to change how you think about how you talk to retailers when you talk to retailers it's going to change you know all this stuff um yeah i also similarly i would look at kind of i mean this was me mostly looking at what you were doing but like watching how you were not just trying to you know enter different kind of like parts of the industry but how you talked to people mm-hmm. uh, how you talk to people that strangely but how you talk to people that read the comics and buy the comics how you talk to the people that were making comics how you were talking to people that were editors and publishers and all this kind of stuff how you're talking to other retailers like i was watching kind of what you were doing and one of the things that i noticed that like was really informative to me was that you you know you 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 didn't talk to everyone the same, but you put the same amount of respect into the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really kind of recalibrated my brain when I was thinking about what it even means to make comics and why you make them. Sure. Um, uh, you know, because I, I started thinking about who the audience was at each stage of making a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that really changed how I thought about making comics. And I think it gave me a really big advantage when I was, presented with the opportunity to to you know put my foot in the door for sure
0: yeah I think about that a lot in just in terms of how how I interact with people but more how people interact with me now that I'm like a published comics writer and especially like people who work in comic shops I I always uh, you know I always try and Try and say like we have the same job. Like we're both just trying to You're sell books guys. to people. Like <laughs> you don't have to come and you know call me Mr. Rosenberg or do any of like I'm not. Yeah. I'm super not into that. Like and why do you make Why do you make us call you Mr. Rosenberg? That's it we don't have the same. Cause job. He
1: nasty. That's
0: nasty. <laughs> I That's he fine. I call him Papa Rosenberg. That's fair. Oh. But that's okay. a whole different thing that we're not legally supposed to discuss. Um, okay. The uh, there's a there's a restraining order of process. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: A- I don't think you're nasty, by, by the way, it's too, <laughs> it too easy not to pick that up. I,
0: I do think you guys are nasty. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, that's fair. A, that's a topic that's fair. No, I think there's a funny like there's a funny disconnect. I feel like, and, and in some ways, there's this like. I I'm always torn like I have so much love and respect for comics and so much love and respect for the people who make them and and the people who sell them and the people who support them and champion them like all levels of that and like but like my heroes are comic creators like my heroes are are people who who made the stories that made me want to make comics but at the same time like I also have this like the duality of it is I always think of comics as kind of like a dirtbag art form like I think of it as like yeah, like I, I, I really do feel like we're all it's, the same.
1: It's goblins all the way down. We're all yeah. just ribbons, like just every <laughs> stage. Exactly
0: <laughs> that that I feel like, yeah, there's not that much difference between like the world's best comic artist and the Dude, who's just going and spending twenty dollars a week at the comic shop picking up books? Like we're all just spending sort of doing this two hundred dollars a night on Conan the Barbarian. Artist. <laughs> yeah, we're all the same. <laughs> uh, it's... I mean, I don't think you should do that every night. I'm just gonna go on a lemon say <laughs> I don't think you should do that every night. Um, storage is gonna be an issue. Um, they're big. They're there aren't that many big, of them. Really, just big. Yeah. yeah, you could build a house. A couple months in, and they're you've got dense. a nice yeah nice artist edition conan artist edition house (laughs) um one thing i wanted to talk about was i think if i'm correct and maybe i'm i'm wrong on my chronology i believe that your your first ever announced comics project was a book that um you and me were co-writing yes and that never came out correct uh, perhaps' is that,
1: the
0: best <laughs> is that because um you think you're better than me <laughs> mm, interesting
1: it's not so much thinking as knowing um <laughs> uh no uh,
0: no. <laughs> no no i think it's I, it is interesting because people do ask us a lot about so, a book because it was announced and it had a cool cover and a cool title there um were sample pages there there was i mean there's an issue an issue yeah there's an issue drawn twice (laughs) um (laughs) the uh it's a weird story but (laughs) it's such a fascinating story for me because I feel like it goes back to the thing we were talking about about the urgency of comics that we were telling a story that at the time felt really important and crucial and now is a book that we're like we couldn't make this book uh and it was the first uh, first thing for you is early thing for me and we ended up not making it and now it's sort of we always talk about going back to it and I think it's something we both want to do but it has to be wildly reimagined because the world has wildly changed <laughs> and it went from being a sort of interesting cautionary tale about where we could go wrong and as a society and slip to a road map for where we are headed and how things are going awful for wow. a lot of people. And uh yeah, I think if we put that book out, we would have been seen as very prescient and very smart at the time. <laughs> I think uh,
1: so. Um, but I think that like I'd feel real icky and <laughs> be like, Whoa. I'd almost feel like they someone picked it up in the government and was like, Great, this is the great this oh, is it. Let's, let's run this one out.
0: it's a weird um but it's a weird thing to have your first project announced project not come out. And you were fortunate enough to have stuff come out right after that. Um, But we've never sort of talked about that just on a like friend to friend level of, if that was really difficult for you or if, or like how you feel about that. Or I know we've talked about the fact that it's on the shelf being a net positive at this point, but like, I just sort of wanted to get into that. I was just sort of curious on your thoughts on it.
1: You know, it, it did make me sad for a really long time because I felt like this was something that we both poured a lot of time and energy into um, just like emotional energy, as well as like, literally like trying to figure stuff out. Um, And it was like, you know, I love the characters and all that, all that stuff that people say all the time, but also just the process of, of, thinking about that book with you and talking about how things could work and, you know, figuring out the, the, you know, the puzzle pieces was, was something that really meant a lot to me. Um, And so it it, it was a real bummer that it never came out because I wanted to kind of share the experience with people, um, Mm -hmm. not just the content Um, to be like, yeah, I made this with one of my best friends and like, you know, this is what these are our hearts (laughs) for you to read. Um, So, yeah. uh, Yeah. it did make me sad. Um, I know we talk about re, you know, reworking it and I still would love to do that um, at some point. Um, I'm okay with not, (laughs) with not being the like prescient writer of the (laughs) collapse of our not really democracy, but it would have been, it would have been interesting also. um, This kind of happened with the wild a little bit where like, came out in 2018 and then uh COVID happened and people kept like messaging me like, Oh, how did you know? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I read the script for the future, I guess. Um, but it, it would have kind of been um interesting to me to see how people reacted to the work before, yeah. during and after. Yeah. These, these trying times. I mean, there's no actor. Yeah. We're still there, but
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was, it, it was such a weird experience because I was a pretty, pretty new writer you were a a, like professional writer you were a very new professional writer for sure um and it was this weird thing of like well this book isn't announced it's on a stage and then you know we had a very large big name director (laughs) attached to it we had interest from all these things we're taking phone calls with like famous people It, it was very weird and to have it go away is something i vanish is something i think about a lot and i sort of feel like it's one of the big and it, it's not that i i was like want that book out in specifically in that form or or out at that time but i i feel like it's a real i don't know i feel like it's a red red mark in my ledger that like the book doesn't exist that i'm like oh i announced a thing and it doesn't exist and it, it hasn't come out and i feel like it's a real bummer and i never talked to you about what that must be <laughs> like for you and that There's, feels weird to not have done that
1: i feel like this is one of the heartbreaks i guess talked about in comics because this stuff happens all the time I like, sure things fall through things that are coming out stop coming out all this kind of stuff and you really don't get to talk about it in in a space that is nuanced um Yeah, it's comics is a medium that you really pour yourself into that is very personal. Um, And so to have something that we believed in, um, yeah, that we were taking meetings about, but also something that we just really believed in together, go away. um, Yeah, that is a bummer. Um, But it was one of those things also too, where it's like, okay, well, we're going to make something happen, even if it's not this thing. Um, And I think that might balance kind of... Sure. The scales on that for for the emotional part of us.
0: Um so that book vanishes, goes away, goes on pause, and never gets on pause does it? Indefinite hiatus. Indefinite hiatus, uh to be to be continued at a later date. Um and then things start moving really quickly for you, I feel like. That's how comics work. (laughs) do, Do you feel that way? Like I kind of don't feel that way. Really? Comics moves quickly in some regards, always. But sure. y- you, your career, it feels to me like you had the wilds at Black Mask and and Submerged at, at Vault, and uh, and then you were just like in at Marvel and in at DC and doing stuff and bouncing around as they were trying to figure out what to do with you, <laughs> um, and trying to figure out where where you fit. And I think some of that is. We could we could talk for days about why why that is, I think, a thing for them. But um it, it it felt suddenly like you went from like not having this thing, this cloud hanging over us of a book that was what we were pouring ourselves into that vanished, to being like when I talked to you, you'd be like I'm doing too much. I'm doing too much. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing too much too. Yeah. Like, I was going to
1: say, yeah, you're the king of doing too much. <laughs> thank
0: you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> it's a real badge of honor. Um, the, do you feel like you skipped steps or do you feel like, do you feel like you jumped into the deep end of the pool in some ways? Like,
1: Oh, looking definitely. Back on, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and a lot of that is due to you again. Um, yeah yeah thanks a lot no thank you um but you know one of the things that you did for me really early was we go to conventions and you would take me by the hand your very soft baby hands that have never done work never worked uh, a day in my life (laughs) can't hold a warm cup of tea and uh or a Nutella Fitzgerald
0: (laughs) I I tend to think that my aversion to hot and cold in my hands is a medical condition, but feel free to mock it.
1: I, will, I don't, I, will.
0: I don't have any substantiation in it. And when I have broached this with doctors, they have strongly disagreed, but I'm <laughs> but, still holding however... out that someone is going to discover there's a reason that I can't hold a hot cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> because you don't like coffee. Um, yeah, but sorry. you, you took me by the hand, both metaphorically and, and sometimes literally, um, when I was reticent and you introduced me to everyone you knew. And that was editors. That was artists. That was other writers. That was, you know, just other like retailers, just everyone. Um, And so I kind of became someone that people knew and they knew through their association with you, which was very positive um, until you accidentally spill hot, like chocolate milk on them for some reason. Uh, If you offer them three day old chocolate milk. Some people Um, like it. Some people like it. Those people are named Matthew Rosenberg. Um, but so I think that like part of a big piece of of my ability to kind of move from company to company and, 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 you know, talk to people who would be able to help me do what I wanted to do was you being really generous with your time and with your resources um, and just showing me how like. You taught me one of the most important, two of the most important lessons that I learned in comics. Uh, One of them being when you're not working, you're not really, it's not a business thing. You're just trying to make friends because comics is, it's just people that like each other or hate each other trying to make books together. (laughs) So you might as well (laughs) like each other. Um, And the other thing, which is also very relevant to this conversation is you pulled me aside one day um, and you were like, listen, they're going to try to tokenize you they're going to they see you as checking boxes and they're going to try to pigeonhole you and do not let them do that write what you want to write you know if they're offering you things you want do those things but if not say no Um, that was really important because what I found was that was true right like and it just so happens that a lot of the things that I have done that could be seen as being pigeonholed I'm like well I want to do that anyway but like there was a lot of like, could you come over here and write this black character? Could you come over here and write this mm. queer thing? Could you come here? And it's like, okay, I mean, yes, but it gave you know, having that in the back of my mind allowed me to say no to things eventually yeah. when I when I was drowning um, <laughs> um, to, to make space for other stuff. Um, yeah. But I think that like I, my face being familiar, um, having good associations, but also me being willing to kind of, pitch on things that weren't like all right yeah yeah, yeah. don't don't think about Captain America but what do you think about this character what do you think about this thing um and me just having the space to be able to say yes or no I think Mm -hmm. helped a lot um I mean yeah it was a lot uh, I checked a lot of boxes for people and it made it easy but it just so happened also that most of the editors that I worked with were really wonderful and actually wanted to work with me and they were like (sighs) Sure. This is gonna get us this other thing. <laughs> if yeah. you do this, then we can do this. Um, and that is always a blessing. I can I am very lucky and I can say that like s- my first major networking uh on my own was uh at San Diego Comic-Con in the women's bathroom because that's where <laughs> non-cis men go to be fucking free. And uh <laughs> and <laughs> you would introduce me to Sarah Miller, uh, and she was in there just like it was just so warm, we were like fucking wild out there huh and we just started talking and I was like ah yes this is this is nice um, yeah. so that when there was you know space for something for me to do we already knew each other from our yeah. time Sarah's
0: Sarah an editor at DC and yes. um, yeah a great editor and, and
1: wonderful really, and just a wonderful person
0: wonderful person yes um, who just announced uh, a book she's writing, which That's was right. awesome to see I was very excited I'm about so happy for her. Yeah. Um the yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like when I was starting out, uh, uh, a very, a very famous writer said to me once, he said, uh, the key to working, especially at, at corporate comics is for two years, you say yes to everything they put in front of you. Yep. And he's like, and then at the two years you say no. Yep. And he was like, and that's your power comes from being willing and able to do anything. And then when you've shown that you can do that, your power comes from not being that anymore, from not being the crutch for them and being someone who can discern. And it took me a long time to realize the power of the no. Even with that in my head of like, uh, I was very excitable comics writer and I was very much like, well, I don't really love this thing, but could I make myself love It was like a fun challenge that I would like to take on and be like, well, maybe I do want to do a, force works book or whatever it was <laughs> uh i i say that i throw force works under the bus actually force works is a book i really liked so that was actually something that i was like you guys are doing force works i want to do that and it's actually a vibe,
1: right where people are like do you want to write captain america and you're like no but i want to write multiple man like, yeah yeah
0: <laughs> that was that was that was maybe the most i've ever visibly disappointed in an editor was when (laughs) I wrote Phoenix Resurrection and and Axel Alonso called me into the office to be like, Phoenix Resurrection did really well for us. We're really happy with it. What do you want? And I was like, multiple man. And he was like, (laughs) and he literally was like, let me stop you. He's like, I don't think you understand. Like, you're writing your own check here. You have a token to play. Like, you you have a chip. Like, you can say X-Force. You can say New Mutants. You can say an X-Men book. Like, what do you want? And I was like, multiple man <laughs> and, <laughs> and he like went through it again and i said to him and i was like i was like i really appreciate what you're saying to me but like you're always going to want an x-force book you're always going to want a new mutants book you're always going to want those things those aren't opportunities where like maybe i got them maybe i don't but like i other one blind. other
1: time yeah exactly y- you're
0: never going to be like we need a multiple man book so like when i play a chip i'm going to play a chip for something that's never going to be put in front of me um And I think he was really bummed. (laughs) I don't think I'm telling tales out of school to be like, he was like, fuck, okay. Yeah, multiple man. (laughs) And that's how there's a multiple man book that I wrote. And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Vita Ayala. Make sure to check out Quarter Killer, The Wilds, and everything else they're working on by giving them a follow on Twitter at DefinitelyVita. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion, and in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdon'tbleedpod@gmail.com at gmail.com, or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at AshcanPress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.